G'day mates, g'day ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats everywhere. Welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. Yep, we're still going and uh, (laughs) we are all in this boat together, baby. Damn, are we going through some serious crazy shit right now. The world has changed and uh, yeah, as uh, us uh, guitarists are all uh, just, I would imagine, hibernating and Staying indoors and shredding and practicing and playing and just spending a lot of time on our instruments, which is a positive thing, and just waiting this out and hopefully the world gets back to normal at some point. So uh, a big, sincere, I hope you're safe out there, I hope you're staying healthy, you're staying in right mind and just trying to stay positive. It's... it can get you down. So uh, if you're dealing with a little depression, give me 10 push-ups, man. Just get down and give me 10 push-ups. It'll make a difference. I promise you, just move. you got to move. you got to get out of that head state and uh, don't let the bastards get you down. That's what you got to keep saying. Don't let the bastards get you down. Keep moving. Keep positive. And uh, we'll get through this and uh, we'll move on. But I've got a really awesome episode today. I'm, I just listened to it, which is very rare that we listen back to anything here, as you guys know. And um, this is a good one because uh, Bruce uh, was telling me that this could happen. Uh, he's obviously at home in uh, Northern California, as we all are at home. And uh, he and Tommy Emmanuel were talking about catching up because Tommy was in the... Uh, the area where uh, he's in Northern California as well at the moment. So they talked about catching up and it, and it happened. And um, and I just listened to them spending, they got to spend the day together and have lunch and hang out. Tommy come over to uh, Bruce's house. And um, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that whole hang that, uh, to see these two guys get together. But we got a glimpse of it. Bruce managed to uh, press record and... It's seriously one of my favourite episodes. Um, maybe because of all the shit we're going through right now, but uh, this is a good one. This is a really good one, man. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff in here, and it's great to hear Tommy and Bruce hang and play and chat. And they're definitely got to do it again. Uh, I'm going to be harping on Bruce to to get Tommy back down again and for them to repeat this because it's it's really good. And um, I know I needed it, and there's some a lot of good gems in there, a lot of good advice. So uh, sit back, enjoy uh, this episode. Uh, we're gonna try and ramp things up a little bit and and get more episodes out. So you know, uh, we just more content because everyone's kind of looking for more shit to do. And what better way for us to hassle you guys and annoy you more than give you more shit to listen to? So there you go. All right, be safe, look after yourself, and stay positive. Uh, This is uh, just a moment in time, and we'll get through this shit. But in the meantime, play that guitar, man, and uh, learn something new. Turn lemons into lemonade. That's what we're doing, man. So uh, all the best, and uh, let's let's hope we get through this shit sooner than later. Um, But sit back and enjoy to episode 204. Woohoo! And uh, Mr. Bruce Foreman and Tommy Emmanuel. This is this is a good one. All right, guys, uh, be safe, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. Uh, before I forget, it's my dad's birthday, David McCubbin. Happy birthday, Dad! I love you. I miss you, and I hope you have a great day. A uh, little advice for you: don't get coronavirus. Don't do it probably not a good idea right now and uh, just stay indoors watch Netflix, get on your iPad, do all that stuff but have a great day dad, I love you and uh, yeah, enjoy this episode it's dedicated to my dad there you go dad
of you out there. I want to let you know that uh, we're in a very safe, secure, and sanitized, undisclosable location. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have plenty of social distance happening here and lots <laughs> of hand sanitizer. We're sliding around in the goop right now. Uh -oh. It is uh, my sincerest pleasure to have my buddy Tommy Emanuel visiting. <laughs> and uh, hey, welcome beautiful. to Guitar Link again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, uh, but, uh, C Jam Blues sounds good in B flat. I it? know Duke Ellington really had something with that. He did. He? Yeah, yeah. He knew that. He knew that was going to happen. Yeah. So the world was getting sharper, but he knew that the song had to go go oh, down. Oh man, it sounds good in B flat. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and Homer and Jethro's version. You ever heard that? Oh yeah. Oh man, I oh, mean, when they when they did that album, uh, playing it straight, you know, in, in, in all oh, instrumentals. Yeah. Holy smoke! Holy smoke! Jethro Burns, what a soloist! What, what, what right. a what an incredible improviser and oh, both player. those guys. Everything's I mean, so melodic and beautiful. And it's really, yeah. I mean, what I really like about those guys and a certain just that era of players—they were great entertainers, but they, they were. But they were still, yeah. Like you can't touch how good yeah. musicians they were. Yeah. That that was just kind of accepted. You know, you play well, but you have to entertain people, and you know, it was exactly. like, and it well, that really hasn't changed. It really hasn't. No. Well, I hate to say it, but in. Um, in the jazz world, it kind of has. Oh, okay. I, I'm sad to say. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people think it's just like you play, and you know that that's you know it's like almost we play, you love us, you know, kind of a vibe. And of course, you know, I'm not that way, and and I'm not necessarily ostracized, but I am an anomaly in the world of jazz. A guy who likes to, <laughs> likes to tell jokes, sing dirty songs, <clears throat> and things like that. Right. Um, that's kind that, of a, thr it's like a throwback. Like, I mean, I grew up playing with Dizzy Gillespie. He was a great entertainer. And mm -hmm. I knew Jack Sheldon, who just passed away, was one probably the funniest man I ever knew and also right. a great player and singer. Uh, 
Uh, Most jazz guys have a great sense of humor. They do, but... You you get Martin Taylor going. Oh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious, exactly. But, you know, and I'm talking like the straight-ahead jazz world, you know, and what's kind of happening in the world. Nothing wrong with it. If if you're a kind of person that just plays, that's cool. But I'm the kind of guy that likes to entertain people and play. You know, But I take the playing very seriously. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Half of those notes I really meant. <laughs> yeah, those were just wonderful accidents. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it's a great moment in your life when you suddenly realize that if you can play what you can sing, you can improvise. Yeah. You know? And uh, I remember when I, uh, when I was growing up and I was learning people's solos, which is how we, most of us learn about improvisation. We work out someone's brilliant solo that just happened like that or right. whatever. <clears throat> and I started thinking, you know, I can come up with ideas that I can't play. How can I, how can I connect the two kind of thing, you know, because I'd hear chords and I could, I'd start playing things in my head. And I realised that that was the connection Physically, that I needed to make, uh-huh. you know. And so, did you have a specific way that you, you would just sing something and then force yourself to play it? Was that I, I would learn it? Yeah, yeah, I would record it and listen. Back oh, to oh, it, okay. You, you know, do it that and way. then yeah, so, sometimes. But then I started doing it, you know, and and so, um, you know, when when young people asked me, you know, how do you learn improvising? I said, well, play a bunch of chords. And now put your guitar down and play those chords back and now start singing some ideas over the top of it. And then, th- and that's where it's going to come from. You know, if you don't do that, then you're going to learn all the modes and scales and then your fingers, which are like dogs, right. they'll go straight to the food bowl. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And play the same stuff over and over because the food bowl's tasty. You know, mm-hmm. but real improvisation, something that that comes right now to our head, and comes out our fingers. You right, know? right. And I think George Benson was responsible for turning a lot of people on to that through his scatting and all that sort uh-huh. of stuff. You know, and then I mean, I often tell young guys, especially real jazz nuts, I say, you go and learn what Ella Fitzgerald sings. Listen to her scatting. Learn that. That's melodic and has swing. It has great ideas. She play. She sings stuff like a horn player. Oh, totally. totally. Yeah, and it's beautiful to listen to. Yeah. And, oh. uh, Amen. Yeah. And, so, and she got a lot of those ideas from those those guys. You know, Louis Armstrong and Roy Eldridge, all those guys that she played with all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were they were all around her. It was not you know, it's a, it's a language yeah. that we all kind of learn to speak by yeah. being around it a lot but also and it's dangerous sometimes when you like you know you say play what you sing but if you get your guitar in your hand you'll sometimes sing what you play and not play what you sing you know what i mean uh, like yeah, there'll yeah. be this moment where you're actually your hands are leading your ears exactly. and you don't you think you're and and maybe maybe at least you're you're articulating the way you're singing which is still good because that's another big problem i have with guitar players in general mm. oftentimes is like the real feeling in the music to me comes from articulation dynamics and time feel <clears throat> exactly that's where the emotion comes from i mean a, a b flat or a b it really doesn't matter that much you know mm. when it comes right down to it you yeah. know it's like how you play that b flat and b that whether it touches you know whether it makes music and so like that's where the singing along, you know, and hearing the music as you're playing it, because you hear a short note, you hear a long note, you hear a note that needs more emphasis or less emphasis. Mm-hmm. You hear a note you want to lay back on, or you mm. hear a note you want to push on the beat to give it a little urgency. That's Those are the magic music elements that we we got to be remind, mindful that you know, while we're doing these scales or whatever we're doing or playing arpeggios, that we still infuse that musicality into it. Yeah. Because guitar can be very mechanical if we mm. want it to be. We're not yeah. even blowing on anything. So Yeah, exactly. You know, um, we're using the parts of our body, I guess, that we fight with to make music. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? We don't, yeah. We're not using, you know, the parts we talk with. You know, we communicate with our mm. voice. So mm-hmm. I guess to transfer those nuances into the hands, mm. that's a real challenge for... 
I, when, when, a lot of people I find. It's a challenge for me. I work on it a lot. Mm. Some of my favorite things to do, listening to Sinatra sing, because his voice, his set of pipes is such an instrument. You know, when you hear him uh, hold a note and, and it sort of <clears throat> has a a fuzzy kind of edge to it and it's just you 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 know he's on the edge of and he's totally controlling that and that sound it, it it's so beautiful you know when he sings the shadow of your smile man oh man it, it, he changed my world when i when i, I heard him first heard him sing that because i tried to sing along with it and I found it really difficult. I kept running out of air all the time. Ah. And you never hear him take a breath, you know. And, and how far behind the beat he liked to sing. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if you, you'd really have to listen to it a lot before you can get right with him. You know, yeah. usually you find yourself a little ahead of him, you know. <clears throat> yeah. I'll tell you what I, what I find with, with most, especially young, enthusiastic people, is they haven't learned to be listeners yet, you know. And, like, if I was to, uh, let me give you an example. If I was to play uh, something like this, you know, we're, we're, we're playing like that. Playing that blues in B flat. Right? So, if I was to go... hard for me to do that with a person who wasn't really really listening to me because it doesn't need but it doesn't need or or just some soft chords three note voicings I would say yeah. exactly and that's why my main uh, um, thing that that when I when I'm trying to get through to young people the importance of things that they have to learn, number one thing is be a listener, be a good listener. Listen to what if you're playing with someone else, you got if you can't hear everything that they're doing, then you're either playing too much or you're playing too loud or both. Or both. You right. know, exactly. I, when you and I are, are playing something, I usually always switch to. Right. Right. To just playing the bass part for a while because you you've got a lot of things going on, uh -huh. and when you go into single line, then then I try to listen to where you're going, and 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 put in a few like horn stabs and stuff right. like that. Other than that, I just try to weave it underneath, and and that that's what I and I do that because if you ask me what, what would I want, I would say that. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And the same thing. I mean. The other thing to be careful is like the energy of the person. How much energy, like to be supportive of the energy that they're putting out. Right. Like you, like I noticed just playing with you, which mm. we finally broke a spell. I thought I was the last guitar player on earth who had to play <laughs> with you, and now it's got to be somebody else. Uh, but like you have a way of not just necessarily climbing the hill in a straight line. Mm. You know, you have climaxes and dips and valleys in the energy of your soul oh yeah and so for me to play behind you i'm always like writing how much energy i'm putting underneath you right so i don't force you to if you don't want to maintain the amount of peak energy early. well if you don't want to maintain that amount of energy you have the option of just going wherever you want yeah and you know and and doing that you know i mean and so yeah but of course a lot of the problems young players have with that, I think, is just because they they're just not they don't know the songs well enough, they yeah. don't know their instrument yeah. well enough. So there's too mm. there's too much of their attention on themselves. Mm. Well, I think young people, I they're enthusiastic, they're excited, uh, and especially if they're going to play with 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 a guy like you, they're they're anxious to impress you, and and that's normal. You know, that, right. that, that's normal human behavior. Yeah. You know, I always tell young folks, don't worry, you know, okay, you played too much, but I spent 50 years playing too much. Don't worry about it, yeah. you know. And, uh, and, and I, I finally learned 
you know, take it yeah, easy. Yeah, and you find and, your way, and we all have different I- ideas of what the right thing to do is. You know, mm. I mean, you do what you think is the right thing. I do what I think is the right thing. Yeah. Not this. It's I, you can be sure of one thing that the people aren't going to agree what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. You know, but the, but but when you mention those two things, too much and too loud, mm-hmm. those are things we all can agree on. Yeah. And that's what we all have to endeavor because I had. I had a gig, I was like 16 or something, I was, you know, playing this organ trio in San Francisco in the Tenderloin District, it was a funky old club, I was the only white person for miles and miles, and I'm carrying my Fender Twin Reverb in, and I'm setting it down on the stage, so excited to have this gig, and all of a mm. sudden I'm standing in the dark, and it, what happened? I turn around and look, and there's this big woman, she's got this wig, you know, and she was the singer, she goes, she looked at me, she said, you the new guitar player, and I said, Yes, ma'am. And she says, let me tell you the three don'ts of accompaniment. And I went, great. Okay. And she said, don't play too loud, don't play too much, and don't play the melody. And I went like, whoa. Don't play Thank the melody. You. Yeah, because you know she, you know she wants to play the melody herself. And, yeah. You know, if if somebody, if if I, what if I, what if she wants to lay back on a note, and I play it at the top oh, of my chord, yeah. then I've sort of like it's like you she's trying you. to tell a joke, and I tell the punchline. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. So she says, stay away from the, and or what if she's, what if her pitch is a little, or my pitch is a little off. Yeah, and, exactly. And we've yeah. got all these things that we don't need to have. Mm-hmm. Which means you have to know the melody, so you don't have that at the top of your chord. Mm. And you know, and you just. But I never heard anybody describe what I think of good accompaniment. Better. It's it's the most one of the most important things. In fact, I would have to say, I think number one on my list, if to, if I was teaching somebody, would be to be a good accompanist. You know that because uh, it, nothing could be more important than being a good accompanist, especially for a, a singer or a good soloist. You know. Um, there's a lot more work out there for good accompanists than, <laughs> than bad lead players. And you're right. And I would I would say that for every hundred good soloists there are, there's probably two good accompanists. Yeah. Eldon Shamblin from Bob Wills and the Texas <laughs> yeah. Player, he was one of my big heroes. Homer Haynes from Homer and Jethro. Um, you know, those are the guys that, that really... I remember when I first heard Chet's Main Street Breakdown... I thought his guitar playing was amazing. I still do. But listen to the rhythm. The rhythm is incredible. And that's Homer. Uh-huh. You know? And Chet said, all, you know, the best damn accompanist I ever heard was Homer Haynes. Yeah. And it just goes to show you, you know, all that stuff is so important. And Jane Go. And- well, yeah, but I mean, and really, <clears throat> you know, it's so funny because, like, we even have this term rhythm and lead guitar. Yeah. That was me and my brother. Yeah. yeah and- I, I used to sign my autograph. Tom Emmanuel, rhythm guitar. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so, but I mean, imagine a piano player saying, "I'm a lead piano player. I'm a rhythm piano player." Yeah. It's like it's yes. it's non-existent. They really the two things are part of the same thing, in yeah. my opinion. Because like like you were saying, you know, you're, oops, you're playing yeah. along, and like, why can't you accompany <clears throat> yourself while you're soloing? on everything at once and, and and like just by those chords I'm playing there's good notes in there for a melody yeah yeah and there's there it is there it is yeah you know those kinds of things it's like you try to like I know you're so enthralled with all the but you know there's something else happening here and also mm-hmm. good chords have melody I mean this I can't you can't just play a B flat and a B flat and think you're playing the blues it's got to mm-hmm. be like yeah well you can sing that melody yeah exactly <laughs> 
I think Barney Kessel really brought that to the front when he was with playing on those Ju- Julie, uh, Ju- Julie, Julie London, London records. Oh, God, those records are you so know, good. Yeah, boy, did, did he lay it out so beautifully on there. Yeah, so for us to realize that, you know, even though we have functions and bands, because we do have guitar players that do those two functions, mm. that good rhythm playing has melody in it. Yeah. Good lead playing has harmony in it. Yeah. So for, and, and, and I think, you know, that, that whole idea of rhythm and lead sort of was a conspiracy to keep guitar players stupid. <laughs> you know, because cause it, it, it made some guitar players think that, oh, it's all about playing shapes. The rhythm guys, and it made the lead guys think it's all about playing scales. Ah. And and I think that that was something that has set back a lot of mm. a lot of guitar players. Right. You know, because I'm just imagining a piano player being taught that way, or a. Mm. I mean. Well, I think I learn more from piano players about being a better guitar player. You know what I mean? Like when when I used to go and sit in with a band at this bar in Sydney. The piano player and I were real, real good buddies, but that guy was a genius. I mean, he was a bebop. He was an amazing improviser. He could play any song in any key and all that, all that stuff, right? But the good thing was that he, he was the guy who told me, listen to Freddie Green. Yeah. That's how you play rhythm. With right. a, you're playing too many notes. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm already playing all those notes like... Uh, you know, if we're playing, let someone yeah. da, 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 da. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going like this. Right? And Freddie Green goes. Right. You know? Right. He said, you don't need all those notes. And it was him who turned me on to him. And then and when the Sinatra Live in, at the Sands came out, that was that whole thing. Using that was it was Freddie, yeah. And that was that's one way to play rhythm. You know, yeah. that, that whole way. It's, well, it I mean, suits for, there. It you know suits I mean? that style of rhythm. And you yeah. know, and as as we as it morphed into bebop and it mm. morphed into modern jazz, and morphed into to other forms of swing. You know, there are different functionary roles that the guitar can play, but still that basic rule holds true, which is not too many notes. Yeah. And being melodic, still, like, when you were playing those notes, I could hear a melody inside. I could hear the voice leading, is what I mean. All right, yeah. So I could follow the harmony just from the voice leading. You know, That's but when you, when you played, when you were just playing Freddie Green style, I could right. hear it too. I can hear this chord. That keys you into the changes, yeah. and and whether you play that style or you play like a more modern, you know, you know, it's still the same basic thing. Tricky stuff the there. Ted Green. Yeah. <laughs> full of, full of they Ted. thought they were going up, but you were going down. Yeah. Well, the bass is going to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. 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 I stole that from 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 Ted. Really? Yeah. Well. Watch
There he is. There you go. <laughs> you the foreman. <laughs> the foreman form. Yeah, yeah. Took over there. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, and of course, take the A train. That song is. Yeah. How many songs start off that way? I don't think I've played the A train. But I mean, I was, that, that I whole like idea of you go from you go from that to that, right? All right. I mean, think all the songs. Girl from Ipanema does that. Jersey Bounce does that. Oh, yeah, Jersey Jada Bounce. Jada does that. Uh, Peg of My Heart does that. Yeah. Let's play a bit. Jersey Bounce in G. You got the melody? You got it. I forgot about that bridge. Anyway, yeah, you know? That's okay. Leave I would do a bridge from it's earlier. It's an honest mistake. I would do a bridge from earlier, so we're even now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, obviously, we're here in the middle of this uh, first week of the new yeah. world. The new world. The new world. So, tell yeah. me, uh, what are you? What are your thoughts All right. Well, what this? happened was, as soon as it was announced and everything, and everything got cancelled, um, my first reaction was... It's a blessing because I just felt like I, I was becoming like the, the mouse running around and with the wheel going round and round and round. And I wasn't seeing my family enough, but I was so dedicated to my work that um, there was not enough time for me to do anything else. And it, it actually forced me off the road, which is, which is what it took to get me off the road. So, um, I'm I'm uh, loving having time and be able to see my family a bit more, um, and and it's kind of 
uh, stopped me in my tracks and made me think about where, you know, what, what's important to me, all that sort of stuff. Um, much as I love playing for people and being an entertainer and that's how I make a living and all that stuff, um, I, I don't want to let a, a lot of the good things in my life, I don't want to put them on hold anymore, you know what I mean? Because they, they, they may not be there when I want them. So I, I think it's taught me a lot. It, it, it's taught me to reach out to people to talk to people about things, and uh, you know, this morning I was having a, a meeting with a few guys on a on one of those um, Zoom conference mm -hmm. call things. You know, other musicians around the world, and everybody felt the same way that it's about time we stopped and talked to each other and see what's going on really in deep inside our lives. You know, so. I feel really good about where things are right now, even though I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and I think that um, uh, having control of your life is an illusion anyway. We're not in control of anything, you know, a a as you can see. Everything's different now just because some tiny little disease thing is affecting the world and everybody has to go into protection mode. But, you know, it it's also... Um, uh, showing us that um, we're powerless over what really goes on. You know, the universe has has the power. We don't. We 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 have to do and and live the way we we want to live and 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 try to uh, be a good servant out there. But but really, we are not in charge of our destiny. You know, we're we we just wake up every day and, and walk through it kind of thing, you know. And I think when you surrender to that and you, and you stop thinking that, that you're in charge, it's a good day because you're really not in charge of anything, you know. That's what I think. Well, that's beautiful. It's inspiring, oh. to be honest with you. Yeah. Great to hear that. Thank you. Uh, well, it's for, true. Yes, and I believe it 100%. There's, a, there's a gr much greater powers than us out there, you know. And, and inside right, us. Right, right. Well, we've, yeah. we've been proven that even a little bio, bio, bio virus or whatever, yeah, whatever. Is, is more powerful than us. Exactly. You know, so exactly. if, if there's, the, there it is, right? You know, if you, if you want to eat that sandwich, there it is. Um, I, that's, you know, very much for me what's kind of happened, you know, just to stop you in your tracks. I mean, it's not dissimilar from like a catastrophic illness mm. or potentially or something yeah. like that because right. everything has changed and, yep. and you're powerless and it's you know? the same thing as when 9-11 happened you know we spent the next year watching people watching people's movements their moods their their luggage i mean every stupid thing that that we never noticed before we're noticing everything because mm. we've been made aware that we need to check on other people you know right. i remember um when 9-11 happened i was just making my way into this country and uh it was so um i was about to get on a plane and come to winfield kansas for the big bluegrass festival for this second year so the first year there i had a great time got a met a lot of great people and hopefully made an impact and I I got invited back and I was really looking forward to it. We had a whole tour arranged around that and anyway the morning of September 11 I was in my house in England and I was I knew I was going to be away for exactly 14 days and that I had 13 shows in that 14 days so I had to figure out how many clothes I was going to take, how many sets of strings, what what could I leave behind, how could I pack in the most uh, clever way so I didn't have to carry so much stuff. So I had it all laid out on the table and I was going through and, and making notes and, and all that. And about two o'clock in the afternoon, I, was, I thought, I'll, I'll take a break and turn the television on. And I turned it on just as the plane went into the building. Oh, my God. Yeah, because we were six yeah. hours ahead in, in England. 
And I got on the phone to my manager in Nashville. I said, quick, get to the TV and turn it on. And she did. And she rang me back five minutes later in tears. And she was like, oh, my God, we're being attacked. And, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and then for four days, my wife and I and our two daughters, we went into the twilight zone. We were just riveted to the TV and to find out what was going on. I couldn't go over there. And all I wanted to do was to come to America and play for people. That's all I wanted to do. And I couldn't get there. And I'll just never forget that, you know, that feeling of I, I have to stay here in England. I can't go and do what I want to do. I have to stay here. It was a week later, the following Tuesday, that I, I got one seat on a flight with American Airlines. I got to the airport in, um, where was it, in England. Uh, it was flying out of Birmingham in England. And I, I got there about one o'clock in the morning and I put my bags at the American Airlines desk and sat and played my guitar till five o'clock in the morning and people started coming in. The first people to arrive were FBI agents and they immediately came up to me, took me aside, took my passport and asked me a lot of questions and, and I was, you know, assuring them, look, oh, I just want to come and play for you guys and that's all. I'm a musician and my heart goes out to these people. And anyway, I, I got to America and the first two shows were so difficult because everybody was numb, weren't they? Yeah. Everybody, they couldn't allow themselves to enjoy themselves. It was a difficult time here. It was, it was really tough, yeah. So Stephen Bennett, who was on that tour with me, he said, I found this poem on the internet. And it's about the two towers of love and hope. And it's a beautiful poem. He said, you read that and I'll play America the Beautiful behind you. And we did. And that's what broke the curse for us. In the show at Oklahoma City, I, I stood up and read the poem. And he played America the Beautiful. And everybody stood up and crying and they started clapping. And it kind of broke the curse, you know. But we knew we had to do something because people could not let themselves have a good time, you know. And that that changed. That's changed everything. Yes, it has. And that's and we have to be aware of the fact that this has changed everything. Exactly. It has. Uh, and and it's it's something for, for us older guys. We know that because we went through nine eleven. We went through the 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 housing crisis in 2008, mm -hmm. you know, and I went through the dot-com explosion, you know, what we call mm -hmm. the dot-bomb, and, you know, I mean, all these various things that have happened, mm. you know, the Kennedy assassination, I was here. I remember before. that too, and I was only, that's 63, I yeah. was five years old. Right, I, no, oh, no, I was eight. older, yeah, I because eight, I was in second grade at the time. Yeah. Uh, I sorry, was living I in Dallas. I was from 58. I, yeah, I, I was living. <laughs> I was living in Dallas, Texas. Wow. When that was that happened, so mm. I mean, and it changed everything. And Martin Luther King changed everything. The exactly. Man on the Moon changed everything. Exactly. There are these pivotal moments in your life, just like I mean, to bring it to a more personal way. If one of us had a debilitating medical thing like a stroke or a heart attack, that changes your life too. These are the things. These are the mileposts with which. Mm. Our lives are almost measured by. Yeah. And but can you remember where you were when when Neil Armstrong walked on the oh, moon? Totally. I, yeah. I was at high school yeah. in the town where the the dish the oh, the satellite really? beamed it across the world oh, in okay. this the town of Parks in Australia. Uh -huh. I was going to that high school. Wow. And they wheeled the big TV set outside, and we all came out of our classrooms and we watched it live on uh -huh. on the TV. Yeah. And, you know, I got to play on a record years later that still means so much to me. And it was called Armstrong. And it was about, you know, um, um, how'd it go? Young, young boy in Calcutta, barely eight years old, uh, hangs around the marketplace, blah, blah, blah. But, but, you know, he stopped to watch on that July afternoon. He watched a man named Armstrong walk upon the moon. And then the last verse goes, and I wonder if a long time ago, somewhere in the universe, 
they watched a man named Adam walk upon the earth. You know, it's just a great way to finish a song. Yeah, right. But I got to play on that record, and every time I hear it, like just talking about it now, I get chills all through my body, like like really strong. You know, like that song meant it really has great meaning. You know, it, it talked about all the different characters, like, like people in Africa, people in India people in Australia, people at the North Pole, at the South, it doesn't matter where you are, you stopped and saw this guy walk on the moon. That's right. Man she, walked on the moon. The, it was the, unbelievable. Exactly. I mean, those are, you know, we, we have in our lifetimes probably about eight of those. Yeah. You know, well, and, you know, because we're about the same age. So, you yeah. know, we've got the Kennedy assassination yep. and the walking on the moon and the Martin Luther King yeah. assassination. At least that was really... That was really big in the United oh, it States. Sure was. I would assume yeah. it was a worldwide thing. Um, you know, uh, all that sort you know, nine yeah, eleven. These these yeah. these pivotal moments. And the are, Olympic Games in Sydney, right. I would have to say, is one of my one of my big highlights. You know, to be with my brother uh, playing at, live on at that ceremony, the 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 largest viewing audience in the history of the world. Nearly three billion people watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an amazing thing. We we were standing up there in the in, and there were two hundred thousand people in the stadium. This massive light show and everything. Thirty eight thousand athletes in the middle of the thing, and then uh, all this incredible carnival going on for the um, closing ceremony. Yeah. And before we went out to do our part, we're standing together looking at this spectacle. And I, I hugged him and I held him and I, I said, look, take a picture of this with your mind because it will never happen again. You know, it was one of those incredible moments that I shared with him. Mm-hmm. And I'll just never forget that. That's beautiful. Know? Yeah, beautiful. It, was, it was really special. And, and, you know, and that points out with all these things, you know, that happen. It really calls on us, not just musicians, all people, to make the most of it. Exactly. You know, this is where this is the moment where you know. I mean, like the old saying, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. Exactly. Uh, if you get lemons, make lemonade. I mean, really, you can see it as, you know, something is horrible. It is horrible. I mean, people are dying of a disease and we don't know how to stop it and it's spreading mm-hmm. fast and we're doing all we can. Yeah. And in doing yeah. all we can, it's crashing economies and making people afraid. Yeah. But at the same time, we're being called on to find the way out of it, to, to make the most of it, to, yeah. to, to use our creativity and our love mm-hmm. and our devotion and our commitment to and our dedication to push through to whatever that next thing has to be. Yeah. And as musicians, that means we need to make sounds that yeah. our souls need to sing need, to uplift, yeah. uplift spirits. And also as business people, we need to like realize the game has changed now. Yeah. And we need to, be, we we need to be creative about yeah. this. You and don't have to work harder. You have to work smarter. You know, there was this one yeah. guy, it was hilarious. I looked up to this guy. He was the smartest guy. I mean, he was Coke bottle glasses guy. You know, it was like three different degrees from Stanford and taught at all these universities. And when I knew him when I was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, a hippie too, but you know, just like this brilliant off-the-charts guy. And, mm-hmm. and he would always say things to me that, that stick to me today, you know. And he said one thing, which I'm probably pretty sure is bullshit. He, I think he just pulled it out of his ass, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, of course, believed it. And I've always taken it to heart. He said... Bruce, the Chinese character for crisis is the same character as opportunity. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's true. I've never really bothered to ask anybody who knows Chinese. Japanese. You know, you know, yeah, but that's like, listen to that message. It's like, in crisis, you can, you can, you know, you can go in the fetal position and go hide somewhere and shake, or you can see it as an opportunity, opportunity. to make yourself better. Exactly. And make the world better. Yeah. And and that, I've always found that to be inspiring words to live by. Mm-hmm. I, I, hope I think one I, of my greatest lessons, if I can share with you, sure, uh, is that I've learned to look at situations where I felt I was being done wrong, or you know, I was being sued by somebody, and it was nothing. It was not my fault, but um, just things like that. I've learned that. Uh, I've got to stop and ask myself, what's my part in this? What, it, it, 
you, you may not think they, that you have a part in it, but you do. And what what could I have done that would have would have not brought this on? Right. What did I do to bring this situation on? And it's always a humbling thing to realize. Well, actually, I could have done that better, and I could. So now here's the lesson for me to learn. Right. Instead of just saying that son of a bitch. That asshole. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. What's my part in it? Exactly. And, and you know that has really helped me a lot. I have a real knee-jerk reaction to that. To that, I mean, I, whenever anybody gets mad at me or something goes wrong, I, I've learned to to kind of almost blame myself first and then figure it out. Oh, okay. You know, I think because maybe I've been around the other the self-righteous people, yeah, who like refuse to see any fault in themselves, right? And it just felt so bad that now I may overreact to that because like like if somebody gets kind of pissed off at me. It almost takes a bystander to go, do you realize that person really just did you wrong? I'm, I'm like going, well, what did I do to make this happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but you're, you're, that's really important that you that you see that because yeah. we all do ultimately have a hand in everything that happens to yeah. us. And uh, I, mm. I have a, a credo that I live by that I wrote on the wall. It, it used to be here. And it's just... The three, I I'm, I believe in three things, and whenever there's a thing, I've got three things. Okay, you know, like like the, the lady probably started with the woman with comping, you know, who said, "Don't play too much, don't play too yeah. loud, don't yeah, play the milk. Exactly, yeah. That's probably where it all started. But for me, the credo of his life is: be cool, be responsible, and learn from shit. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anything in life that doesn't fit into those doesn't categories. Fit into that, Just exactly. learn from what happens. I mean, you not we we're all going to make mm. mistakes. We're all going to hurt people unwittingly mm-hmm. hopefully mm. we're all going to do wrong things but just learn from them yeah to be well, responsible if you make a commitment keep it as best you can mm-hmm. and then when when it, when people act treat you know, interact with you be cool mm-hmm. just be nice and just see where it goes you mm. know there'll be plenty of time to protect yourself later yeah <laughs> you know i mean maybe well, not with a firearm involved but uh, uh if you go to john wayne's grave uh-huh. there's a great message on there for us which is a cool thing that yeah. he did and the message is the most important thing in life is tomorrow it comes to us every night clean and puts itself in our hands and hopes we've learned from yesterday yeah and that's on his grave. There's one of the most important messages I've ever heard. Right. He could have just said, learn from shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but he, he was far too eloquent. For that. <laughs> I remember buying, um, um, uh, what was her name? Kathleen, uh, the actress uh, uh, that was in um, uh, Rooster Cobra. Rockster, oh yeah, Rooster yeah. Cogburn. Kathleen, uh, O'Hara? No, 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 no that was Maureen O'Hara. Maureen O'Hara, right. Uh, uh, it was, uh, oh, I can see, she, she was married to Spencer Tracy. Oh, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, there you go. Catherine Hepburn, a, a, a book called Me and Stories of My Life. And uh, uh, I bought it because there was a whole chapter on working with John Wayne. And I thought, I wonder what this would be like, because she was such an incredible actress and mm-hmm. had had such... Uh, an incredible respect around the world. And it was so beautiful because she said, he was the most professional person I ever worked with. He was the first to arrive and the last to leave. He knew every word of the script, including everybody else's words. Uh, He didn't suffer fools. He helped people all the time. Uh, He was a constant source of of, uh, help to me. And he was such a good actor, you'd never catch him at it. And I thought, wow, that really summed him up. But when when you look at his life, you realize that he he was around people who he he just followed the lead kind of thing. And they, I'd be good at that. I'd be good at that. You 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 should have a go at this. You should have a go at that. And and really, he arrived at a place where he became like the number one box office draw at one period in his life. He arrived there the same as Laurence Olivier or you know, um, uh, any, Dustin Hoffman, any of those great actors who had all that training. He didn't have any of that training, but he still arrived at the same place, you know? And you, you've got to take that on board and say, that's a guy, he's smart, he's, he's willing to learn. 
um, and he's got something. He probably he doesn't know what it is, but he's got something, and he's 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 going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as energy. You know, like I was trying to explain to these young fellows the other day at this workshop I was doing, where I said, look, things aren't always perfect. And most things that are really successful are not perfect at all. Take a look at someone like Lightning Hopkins or any of those guys that we're, we're, we're lucky enough to see a bit of scratchy old black and white footage. Their singing is not that good. It's all right. It's not that good. Their guitar playing is mediocre at best, slightly out of tune. Their timing is all over the place. But the combination of all that with what they do, it's infectious. We love it. We wish we could be like that, but we can't because we're not that person. It's the energy that happens when all those things collide in one person. And even if it's far from being perfect, that doesn't matter. We just can't get enough of it. Well, factually, (laughs) everybody is far from perfect. I mean, mean, have you ever really been part of a perfect... No, I, I don't know what that is. I don't. I, I wouldn't recognize it if it happened. No, no. And, and frankly, I notice it when I hear it on uh, records, and I realize yeah. how synthesized it is. Yeah. Because it's not real. Because I've been in both sides. Yeah. You know, I've been in the production world too. Yeah. But no, I mean, and what about where in life do we get this idea that perfection was what we wanted? Exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I I really think that the whole idea of even people we call perfectionists, they're just trying to be the best they can be. They're, That's right. Perfection yeah. doesn't exist. It's mm. unattainable. And frankly, it's undesirable. Mm. Mm. Human is the thing that we're looking for. Yeah. And it's the thing that moves us. And it's the things that makes us wake up in the morning and things that makes us want to play and get better. Because I just want to tell my story mm-hmm. more freely. I want to be free. Yeah. The why do I work so you are hard? Free. Why do I work so hard? I want to be more free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to fly free on this instrument. That yeah. that is why I work so hard at it and continue to work so hard because mm-hmm. it allows my soul to go yeah. to higher heights. Yeah. In the music. Yeah. It makes the guitar more and more and more not a part of it. Yeah. It goes away and it's just me and the world. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 that's it. If if we get the chance to uh, fly our kite as high as we can. I remember Les Paul saying one night to, to me in the dressing room, I was, I was talking about how much fun I have on stage, and he says, he goes, yeah, it, what is life if you can't fly your kite? You know, yeah. and he's so right. Yeah. So I've always let, thought of that, you know, when I was playing. I'm putting it up there, I'm trying, hoping the wind's right. going to catch it. And right. Take me into an electric pole and give yeah. me a shot, yeah. you know? There you go, man. Well, yeah. you sure have done Flying that for a lot of us. You have changed the world, you know, in many ways, and, and I, you have my deepest respect. Oh, thank you. you. Same. You do. Yeah. Wow. Because, uh, you know, you have really changed the world through your music, and that's a beautiful thing. Well, I hope that the two people who hear this are going to be really excited. Yeah, well, we, we used to have a couple people listening, but, you know, I, they, they probably got smart and started their own <laughs> podcast now that they have time. <laughs> uh, yeah, the crowd went mild. Yeah, really, we exactly. lost them, you know, yeah. too. You know, here we thought we were going to ramp up Guitar Wank for them just because, yeah. you know, they have more time to listen to us, so we well, wanted to give them more stuff. We, and, you know... We, we, have it's been fun it's all about creating community that's it that's really what we're here for you know and uh and through that's going to be the challenge as i see it through this particular phase of mankind is us really finding ways to continue to create community be a part of community and emerge stronger Mm -hmm. not you know more sucked into some fear or screens you know, mm. but to realize that friends, they're the ones that are going to help you. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are going to take care of you. They're the yeah. ones that are going to support you. And there's the ones that are going to cheer the loudest for you when you when you achieve your things. Mm. Mm. Amen, brother. Yeah, man. Well, I want to thank you for uh, coming to our biohazmat <laughs> unit. <laughs> I'm gonna have yeah. to. I have to get this suit off. I have to well, actually I have to return it to the place I rented it. Yeah, you know, the, uh, I don't want to pay the overtime. Rent a uh, <laughs> yeah. 
rented so, the Z. So, so does this suit make my ass look big or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Georgia. Georgia. Mmm. No peace I find. Just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on my mind. Georgia, Georgia. Mmm, the song of you. Sweet and clear Like moonlight through Through the pine Mother, I Reach out for me Mother, I Smile tenderly Peace I find Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia On my mind On my On my Thank you, Tony. <laughs>